there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. Bible reading this morning is from Matthew 13, 1 to 9, and then Matthew 13, 18 to 23 from the New Living Translation. The parable of the farmer's scattering seed. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And Matthew thirteen eighteen. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even a hundred times as much as has been planted. Thanks Helen. Good morning church. How's everyone feeling? Good. Good I guess. Hey I think it's another beautiful day. And it's a great day to be in the house of God where we get to worship together, we get to love on each other and we get to build community. Amen? Amen. Great. Hey, I just love it when God's people come together and I'm just so glad that you're here today. My name is Sarah. I'm the associate pastor here at Kerry for those of you who haven't met me. This morning we are starting a new preaching series looking at the parables of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, This year as a church... We have been talking about discipleship and what it means to be following Jesus as disciples of Jesus. And so today, with keeping with this theme, uh, we pick up this new series called Life in the Kingdom. And we're starting in Matthew chapter 13. 
In Matthew 13, there are eight parables that Jesus shared with the disciples and with the people who were gathering around him to hear what he had to say. Um, Now, parable isn't a word that we use frequently in 21st century Australian language. So if you're unfamiliar with what a parable is, it is essentially a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And we read in Matthew 13:3, he, that is Jesus, told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. And then we, would, then we are told what is commonly known as the parable of the sower. Now, before we look into this parable in more detail though, it's important to know what came before it. Uh, what was happening before the crowds found Jesus and before he hopped onto the boat and started sharing these stories with them. And if we look at chapter 12, I think it's actually, it actually plays a big part as to why Jesus felt led to share the parable of the sower. See, in the previous chapter, we actually see that earlier on in that day, Jesus had had a rift with the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of Israel at the time. Now, Jesus had been doing awesome miracles all day, healing the masses, casting out demons, giving sight to the blind, giving speech to the mute. And all day, at every turn, he was having to justify himself to the Pharisees. Now, in their defence, they were just expressing what the law said, and they were angry at Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath, which you know is a day when, according to the law, Um, You weren't supposed to do any work, just rest. But Jesus told them that actually he was Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't in control of him, he was in control of the Sabbath. Now, you can imagine how that went down. Actually, you don't even have to because we're told in Matthew 12, 14, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Now, one may conclude that they were pretty ticked off, right? So all the while, Jesus knew what was going on And despite the Pharisees being witness to Jesus performing signs and miracle after miracle um, and hearing his message, they refused to believe that he was the son of God. And so then we find ourselves in Matthew 13, 1, which says that same day. It was a long day for Jesus that day. Now, having read what had gone down that morning, I think it can be concluded that this parable of the sower is in response to the Pharisees not accepting the words and signs of Jesus. And I also think that the parable is such an accurate representation of four different responses that people have even today in response to the message of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've got a question for you, and this is not rhetorical, okay? So I wanna see hands, I wanna see some participation. Is there anyone here today who has ever worked as a telemarketer. You know those people who seemingly always call it dinner time? Yeah, oh, some really brave people. I just wanna say that's really courageous to admit to that because it's like admitting that you're an umpire of a football game, right? Um, What I wanna say is please don't take offense to what I'm gonna say next, okay? You need to know that we love you and you gotta do what you gotta do to put food on the table. Okay, please don't take offence. But this is, this is the, more questions, right? Who here has ever received a call from a telemarketer? Yeah, most of you, all right? That's, that's not shocking. Um, who enjoys getting calls from telemarketers? 
a select <laughs> twisted few. Yes, I see you. Great. Who knows that there are many ways you can respond on the phone to a telemarketer? Yeah, all right, let's go through a few of those, okay? Now, I want you to be honest, okay? If, if you can relate to a couple of these, maybe you've responded a few different ways, you can raise your hand to more than one. All right, so put up your hand if you listen for a short while. No, sorry, hand first. Put up your hand if as soon as you realise it is a telemarketer, you hang up the phone immediately. Yeah, done that. Yeah, all right. Put up your hand if you listen for a short while and then politely interrupt and say something like, sorry, no, thank you, I'm not interested anyway. Yeah, today, great, a few of you. Um, who has been too polite to interrupt or hang up and has listened to the whole spiel only to say no thanks at the end? Yeah, it never pays to be polite. <laughs> no, it does. Don't, I did not say that. <laughs> Cut that from the podcast. Um, <laughs> Put your hand up if you've ever bought anything from a telemarketer. Was that a hand? Did I see that? Yeah, I w can you share what you've bought? Oh, she signed up for regular, she's a saint. Beautiful, beautiful. But that's one out of this many people. People must actually sign up for things and buy things, right? Otherwise they wouldn't waste their time. So someone out there is buying stuff. Um, another response, who gets the kids to answer the home phone because you know it only rings if a telemarketer is calling because you haven't given your home phone out to anyone? Yeah, a few of us. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ashamed about that. Um, last question, anyone ever try to bring a telemarketer to Jesus? No. Where's my peoples? Where are my peoples? All right, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can respond to the same situation, right? To the, the same call, the same situation, the same message, and yet we have so many different responses. And just like the Pharisees had one response to the message of the kingdom of heaven, and that was to reject and to plot to kill Jesus, others that day responded differently to the same message. And this is what Jesus was talking about in this parable. Now, to help the crowds that he was talking to to have a better understanding of what he was saying, Jesus presents a scenario involving a male farmer, right? The scenario would have been familiar to the largely rural audience that Jesus was talking to. Now, if he was talking to a group of teenage or young adult guys in today's culture, Jesus may have told a story about cars. Okay, if he was talking to a group of middle-aged women today, he may have started with stories about Hugh Jackman. Because according to Mel, this is a technique that she uses to make connections with middle-aged women. And I must say, I don't mind a good conversation about Hugh Jackman. Do I hear an amen, ladies? The point is, now don't get distracted. Jesus used a topic that was familiar with his audience. Okay, and probably not as engaging with us so much today, you know, the farmer sowing seed in the different types of soil, but it would have been to them. And so Jesus tells of the farmer who sows seeds which fall onto four different types of ground with quite different consequences. In verse four, the seed that falls on a path that's eaten by birds. Verses five and six, seed that falls among rocks sprouts up quickly, but lacking depth of soil dries up in the sun. Verse seven, seed that falls among the thorns and is choked by them. And in verse eight, seed that falls onto good soil and produces an abundant crop. 
Now, thankfully for us, we don't have to wonder about what the parable means or is referring to. There are actually very few parables where Jesus explains the the meaning of the story, but thankfully, in this instance, the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples about its meaning is recorded here in Matthew. And so Jesus explains to his disciples that the seed that falls on a path and is eaten by birds is like people who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Uh, The evil one comes in and snatches it away. And the birds represent Satan and his minions. Um, In verses five to six, the seed that falls among rocks and sprouts quickly but dries up in the sun, that describes people who receive Christ's kingdom teaching but abandon their initial excitement due to life's difficulties. And we all know that life throws us difficulties. Uh, In verse seven, similar to the seed sown on rocky ground, the seed that falls among the thorns and is choked by them is likened to the person who is lured away by the worries and the cares of the world. You know, that might be money, sex, work, status, materialism. Um, The list goes on. Then verse eight, the seed that falls onto good soil and produces an abundant crop is the person who eagerly receives Christ's kingdom teaching and acts in accordance with it. And we're told that this is evident in the fruit that they produce, you know, the way they behave, the words they speak and their character. In this parable, we see that a person's heart is represented by the soil. The word of God is the seed and you'll notice that the seed doesn't change. The seed is always good. It's the condition of the soil or the person's heart that changes. And then Jesus is the sower. And I would like to present that as the co-workers in God's service, the sower is also you and me, if you are a follower of Jesus. Now, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 9 says, and this is Paul speaking, I planted the what? The seed. There we go. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. We are God's co-workers. In this parable, we are also the sower. And just like there are many ways to respond to a telemarketer when they call, there are many ways that people respond to the message of God. And and what can be challenging for us as Christians who have been given the Great Commission and who are charged with sharing the good news of Jesus is that there is just no way of telling how someone will respond when we tell them the gospel story, is there? We just don't know. Now, sometimes people respond like the seed that falls on the good soil and they grow to flourish. And others, they're just not interested and they reject uh, Jesus like the path that leaves no room for the seed to even take root. And what I find interesting is that in this parable, there is only one out of four responses that leads to a person living a life in relationship with God. Now sure, some start off grey and they look like they're heading that way, but because of life's stresses or they experience a bit of pushback from the world, they abandon ship and walk away from a relationship with Him. One in four, one out of four. It would seem that the odds are not in our favour. And sometimes that can be really discouraging, can't it? 
you know, you, you faithfully love people and you serve people and you walk alongside people and you think, this person is ready to hear about Jesus. Everything is right. The condition is right. Surely they will accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and allow Him to come in and transform their life. And so you share your faith with them and more times than not, they reject the message that we have. And sometimes they even reject us as the messenger. Now, hopefully they don't go away and plot to kill us, but you know, it can really hurt. And, and that can make me think twice before I share the gospel again. And then there are those times, oh, I've found, that when I'm not looking to share the gospel or I don't think that a person um, will be interested in hearing about Jesus or they just don't seem like the kind of person who would be interested, the person says yes to Jesus. You know, and they come to know him in a real and powerful way. And it just seems so random who responds positively and who doesn't but it's not random to God, he knows. And what we can learn from this parable is this, we learn that the sower wasn't selective with where he sowed the seed. And he was very generous with his seed, he just threw it out there for it to land where it landed and he left it to the soil to either reject the seed or nurture the seed. And so I want to encourage each person here today to do the same thing. I want you to be the ever so generous person with the seed, um, with the love and the message of God. You know, because you never know the condition of a person's heart. You never know who God has been working on behind the scenes. And I'm really passionate about this. I don't know if you can tell. Maybe I'm, I, I could be a bit more passionate, but I am passionate. Um, and I want to tell you why. When I was a little girl, little lure girl, um, I grew up in a not so great home. I knew my parents loved me, that was never really an issue, but there was domestic violence, there was alcohol and drug use, and though the name of Jesus was exclaimed frequently, it was never done in reverence. We didn't go to church, uh, God and religion were not part of our story, and people around us shared a similar lifestyle. Now, if you looked at that little girl, there is no way you would ever think that she would grow up to be a pastor. Year six, I was at Gwyn Park Primary School in Armidale. Pretty rough public school, if you know it. Um, I was in fights frequently, not because of my own doing most of the time, but because I'd run in there to save my brother who was always getting into trouble. Um, I remember this year going to scripture classes. Now, some lady would come once a week or, or so, and we would learn about Jesus and the disciples, and we'd colour in a booklet with pictures of Jesus on a boat catching fish. Um, for some reason, I found this quite interesting. And I remember going home and asking my mum um, if we should pray. And in all honesty, you know, her response was, why would we do that? And... Honestly, why would we do that? We weren't religious, uh, and the little understanding that I had that year just kind of fell by the wayside. Year seven, craziest thing happened. Uh, Mum sent us to a private school. It was known as Emmaus Christian College back then. Um, religious education that year consisted of a teacher writing the story of Joseph straight from the Bible onto the blackboard, and us as students copying that from the blackboard into our religious education notebook. Now, I'm not sure that many teachers still use that technique of teaching, and I honestly hope you don't. But as I wrote the words and I read the story, 
I found it really interesting. Um, that year also saw us having to go live with Dad suddenly, two broken arms caused by my brother, and a new half-brother, followed by moving from Armidale to Rockingham. And despite the end-of-year production um, that talked about coming to know God, at the time I had no understanding of what that was even about, and I did not come to know God that year either. Year eight, I started to attend what was then called Maranatha Christian College. Uh, life had settled down a bit, you know, we were back living with mum and her soon-to-be second husband, and in order for me to be accepted into the new school, mum thought she had to tell them that we were Christians, and while we weren't attending church then, we would be looking to attend soon. Um, and though that seemed to get me into the school, we did not start attending church and our Christian status did not change that year. Now, why do I share that part of my life story with you? Well, because while there were some seeds scattered my way and glimpses of the gospel story shared with me over the years, there was nothing to say to anyone that I would give my life to Christ if given the opportunity. Because I didn't in those instances. And nobody looked at me and said, this girl is ready to hear the gospel. In actual fact, those knowing my family background most likely thought she wouldn't be interested. That's not her thing. And I wonder how often we make those judgments about people based on their background or based on the situation that they find themselves in. But if we look at Jesus, who did he reach out to more often than not? You know, it was, it was the people that the religious leaders thought weren't good enough for God. It was the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners, the outcasts. And who were the people who accepted Jesus and the message he brought about the kingdom of God? It was the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners and the outcasts, the people who others would have looked at and thought they wouldn't be interested in hearing about God. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Jesus was a very generous sower. He sowed seeds where no one else was prepared to sow, without regard of the kind of soil the seed would land on. He, without prejudice, shared the message about the kingdom of God with everyone. But Jesus knew that the condition of people's hearts was not always in a good condition. But did it stop him from telling people? No, it didn't. He knew that some people would hear the message and not understand it. Um, and because they didn't pursue it, the devil would come in and steal the little understanding they had. That was me in the sixth and the seventh grade. I heard the gospel, but no one explained it to me or helped me to understand. And just like that, the little understanding I had just disappeared. The religious leaders that we spoke about in chapter 12, the chapter before this parable, they didn't understand. They were antagonistic towards Jesus' ministry from the beginning. They were not interested. And, and some people that you may come across will be like this. But tell them about Jesus anyway. And Jesus knew that some people would appear to accept the message and would be excited by what they heard, but would fall away when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, verse 21. He knew that when life got hard and their faith was questioned, that they would quickly give it up and walk away. We even see this with the crowds who responded positively to Jesus, especially to his miracles of healing. We see that even they turned against Jesus in the end, you know, due to the pressures 
that was around them and, and they demanded his crucifixion, you know, leaving us to wonder whether they ever truly understood. And, you know, some people want the healing. Some people want God to fix the circumstances in their life, but they don't want Jesus. Tell them about him anyway. You know, Jesus knew that when he was talking with the rich young man in Matthew chapter 19, that even though he had accepted the message of God, Jesus knew that he would be the perfect example of one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. He couldn't give up his wealth and he chose his money and his status over following Jesus. You know, I can't even count the number of people who you know, I've, I've walked with in church life who are coming to church, serving, listening to the word, and then something happens in their life and they become stressed or they become anxious or too busy. And the first thing to go is their commitment to serving in ministry, followed by less regular attendance at church. And before you know it, they have stopped coming altogether. Because when life got tough, instead of pushing into God more and looking to their church family for support and encouragement. They let life get in the way of their relationship with Jesus. Or maybe like me, you could name at least one person who claims to be a follower of Christ but is too busy for church because they're off pursuing wealth. Or they justify the things that they are chasing after by saying, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Anyone heard that? I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Hey, and, and it's true. Um, but God knew that some people would choose to let the worries of life get in the way of following him. And Jesus knew that sometimes those who choose to give up their life and follow him would be people who others would least expect. And they would go on to bear fruit and yield an abundant harvest. In year eight and nine, my best friend was Haley Campbell. Uh, she came from a Christian family and attended church at Rockingham Baptist Church every Sunday with her family. Uh, we went to youth group on Friday nights and while everyone else participated in the games, we would sit over in the corner and enjoy each other's company. We were those kids. Um, and though I don't remember specifically about hearing about God, but I know I did on a regular basis. And I know for me that it was always just truth. Um, I knew in my heart that what was being said was real. Uh, in year nine, I remember a key moment in my journey with God. And it was just when I said to my friend Haley, I said, it's like God and the devil are fighting over my soul. And she said to me with such godly wisdom, well beyond her 14 years. And she just said, well, you get to decide who gets it. And I was like, whoa. I get it. And as simple as that, I got it. Uh, and shortly after that, Haley moved up north and with her family and I decided I wanted to go to church. I had to convince my family um, to let me go and to take me there and thankfully they did that for me. From then I was baptised. I started serving in the worship ministry. I became the youth pastor. And then in 2012, my husband Kyle and I started the Austin Cove Community Church. And I really don't tell you all that to say, look at me, look at me. I tell you that because I went from being a little girl who, looking from the outside, would never likely say yes to God, whose circumstances would say she probably wouldn't be interested, 
to having the privilege of baptising over 40 people in our ministry at Austin Cove. And, and knowing that my life is not over, my story is not over yet. I look forward to seeing how many more people are gonna be baptised at Kerry through our ministry here and what else God has in store for me. He's been so good to me. But if we had only told a select few who looked like they would accept Jesus about him, that number of baptisms would be a quarter of the size. You know, if we got discouraged and stopped sowing seeds every time someone would reject Jesus or someone accepted Jesus as their Lord and Saviour to only leave the church a short time later, honestly, the number would likely only have been one or two. You do not know how someone is going to respond to the message of God's kingdom. And yes, that can be scary and at times it can be discouraging, but you need to be generous with your sowing anyways. Because when it does land on fertile soil, the crop will be totally worth it. And Jesus tells us that when the seed lands on good soil, it will produce a crop of 30, 60, or even 100 times of that that was sown. What a blessing! That is, you know, the next child that you tell about Jesus may, may just go on to be used by God for incredible things. You know, for that random stranger who you just happen to start talking to, you know, they may be the next Billy Graham or Christine Kane or Joyce Meyer. You know, the guy at work who you've been working with for years but have never told about Jesus, he may end up leading his family to God and in turn changing generations and generations to follow. You know, I'm, I'm so thankful that God used people to sow seed in me over the years. You know, the scripture union lady at Gwynn Park, the teacher at Emmaus, the youth leaders who planted seeds, my 14-year-old friend who I dare say God used to water the seed. And like, um, like we read in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 with Paul and uh, Apollos. And I'm just so thankful that God has been making it grow. And I am so thankful that we are co-workers in God's service. You know, who knows the impact that we can have in the, in the name of Jesus if we are generous in our sowing. Unfortunately though, if we are being honest, we are not often generous with our sowing, are we? Not with the gospel. And I think if you are honest and you think about how many people you shared the good news with in the last week, month, year, even 10 years, I bet many of you could count them on one hand. And I don't say that to condemn you, but I do pray that you feel the weight of the Spirit's conviction. Because if we don't feel the weight, we won't be moved to do anything about it. Now, where would I be if no one shared Jesus with me? Where would you be if no one shared Jesus with you? Now, my upbringing and my personality type suggest that I would likely have been very heavily into alcohol, likely drugs. Um, I would probably be sleeping around and would have likely have fallen into the same family dysfunction that has gone generation before me. Have I made the best choices coming, since coming to Christ? <laughs> Absolutely not. Is my life perfect? Not even close but I thank God for the life that He has so lavishly blessed me with because honestly, I don't know how the world does it without Him. Well, actually I do. They're, they're hurting and they're lost. 
and they're waiting for the church, they're waiting for us to get past ourselves and sow the seed, to tell them about the plan that God has for them, to tell them that someone loves them and that, some, that someone is Jesus. Because many people share a similar story to me and they need to know that actually there is something better than what they know and they need you to tell them. As I wrap this up this morning, you know, sometimes it's really easy for us to read this parable and for those of us, you know, who know Jesus, it's easy for us to think that we are the good soil. You know, those who reject God are those, you know, one of the other three types of soil. And because we are Christians, we are the good soil. And absolutely, you know, God softened our hearts to receive Jesus and we should be so thankful that we know the truth of God in our lives. But I know for a fact that our soil isn't always good. Sometimes the field in our heart has different types of soil in it. You know, maybe for most of us, most of the field is good soil and we hear God's word and the seed is planted and it grows and we flourish. But I'm pretty confident that within the heart of each person here, there is a patch of soil that is less than good. It may be weedy, it may be rocky. Uh, you may have even gone ahead and paved a path um, because in all honesty, you have no intention of letting certain seed in. And maybe there are some things that Jesus says or that we read in the Bible and you just don't wanna hear it. You know, Jesus shares the parable and then in verse nine, he ends it with, whoever has ears, let them hear. In other words, if you are listening to the word of God, you would be wise to take that on board and do what it says. But maybe you've hardened your heart to certain things in the Bible. Maybe you don't listen when it says to be of sober mind. Maybe you turn away when it says that sex is for the marriage bed. Maybe you justify why it is that you don't financially contribute or why you don't need to use your gift to serve others in the church. What seed are you rejecting? What part of your field is not good soil? You know, maybe you're rejecting the instruction to go and make disciples of all the nations. The instruction that says, go and tell people the good news. Go and sow the seed generously. Which instruction from God are you not receptive to? You know, this is a great time to do a stock take of the condition of the soil in your heart. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And let's pray, church. Father God, I thank you that people took the time and effort to tell me about you. And I thank you that people took the great commandments seriously and told others here about the great news of Jesus. I thank you for the blessing that it is to live this life in relationship with you and I pray that your spirit would prompt and guide and even give us a kick up the butt when we need it so that we can be great co-workers with you in reaching the world for your kingdom's sake. Churches, we keep praying with your eyes closed and your heads bowed this morning. I wanna give you the opportunity to self-reflect on the condition of the soil in your heart. Is it all good soil where you let the word of God in and it grows and you flourish and you become more like Christ in your responses? Or is there a patch of field that struggles with weeds or rocks or you've built a path so nothing gets in? Reflect on that this morning. 
Is there something that God has been telling you to stop or to start or to do that you've been resistant to? Maybe you've just rejected the gospel story, but this morning you realise, actually, no, I want to let that seed take root and grow. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Maybe as we've been speaking about sowing seed and sharing the good news story with others, you know, you're feeling convicted about that. You realise that you could be doing that more with those around you. If something came to mind just now, if God's Spirit has prompted something inside of you, I encourage you to acknowledge that. Maybe you've been picking and choosing which parts of the Bible to follow. What is it for you? I'd love to lead you in a prayer of repentance and forgiveness this morning. So I just ask that everyone just keep their eyes closed. If God has brought something to your thoughts that you know He has been speaking to you, that you have been resistant to for whatever reason, but you know you need to let that in and do what God is asking, would you be honest and courageous and just raise your hands before God in this moment? Just lift them up in a moment of surrender and repentance before God. Yeah, I see those hands. Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah, hands all over the place. If it's your prayer and heart to ask for forgiveness, just lift up your hand in this moment and I'm just going to lead you in a prayer this morning. God, we acknowledge this morning that sometimes we are resistant to your word and instruction and sometimes on purpose we go about doing our own thing knowing it's not what you want for us. Lord, today we say sorry. Just tell God what it is that you are sorry for, church. Just take a few seconds to do that in your own space right now. We ask you for your forgiveness and we thank you for the grace that you so lavishly extend to us through Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. I wanna give you my whole life, not just some. Help me through your spirit to be open to everything that you have for me. Help me to have a heart of good soil. Where it is less than good soil, I ask that you bring healing and transformation in my life. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. How many people raised their hands and I just wanna thank you for being so courageous. If you've got business to do with God this morning, we're going to give you opportunity. We're going to sing two songs this morning. We're going to have pastoral elders at the front here and they're going to be ready just to stand with you, to pray with you, to give you encouragement. So maybe there was something that God put in your heart, but maybe you are being a bit resistant and actually you think, no, I have to do business with God this morning. Come forward, come and make yourself known to the pastoral elders and, and they can pray with you. If you just want to come forward as a, as a sign of, of worship and repentance before God, we've got all this space. You can come and kneel before the altar. You can do that this morning. Whatever God is saying to you, don't put Him off today. Let's stand and let's worship our great God together.